and there's intimacy on the radio and there's naturalness on the radio that can never be replicated on TV. The marvelous resurgence of radio as a political force in this country. News-related radio programming is evolving. There's a huge hole in our dialogue that can be filled by the synthesis of traditional radio and the freedom that comes from a live podcast. You're about to experience Cowboy State Politics Live. Here we go. my friends, and welcome to yet another scintillating installment of Cowboy State Politics Live. From high above all other puerile and insipid forms of Wyoming mainstream media, this is Cowboy State Politics. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver Cowboy State Politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming. Well, good morning, my friends, and welcome to the program. You are listening to Wyoming's number one political podcast, Cowboy State Politics. You can find the show at the website, cowboystatepolitics.com. There, all of the episodes, as well as any of the articles that I might bring up during the course of a program, except some of those that I'm going to bring up on today's show because I have them ahead of their public release. So during this morning's broadcast, I have a great show planned for you. Uh, as I told you, I alone am in possession of the Wyo Vote rankings for the 2023 legislative session. They're amazing and extraordinarily revealing. The, the long and the short of it is, before we get into them, there are no moderates in the Wyoming House. There are the conservatives, and then there are the Democratic liberals. That's, that's absolutely the truth. And the Wyo vote ratings prove that. There is a chasm in between the conservatives and everybody else in the House. Now, in the Senate, it's a different story. There are some moderates in there, and you see uh, just about everybody is somewhere along the political spectrum, but there's not the huge cavern, not cavern, the huge canyon in between the two groups that you see in the House. So we'll get to that in a little bit later. But we begin this morning with the front page of the opinion section of the Red Star. In a piece from Froma Harrop entitled Zombie Politicians Let Guns Kill People. Now, I just couldn't resist hitting this when I found it right before the program. And quite frankly, my friends, this is the narrative that's being pushed right now because of the recent school shooting. Now, let's be honest about who that shooter was. He identified as a trans woman. In fact, the last four school shooters have identified one was non-binary and the other three were transsexual. So let's just be clear about who the shooter was. Now, if it was a conservative that or a conservative person that went into a school and shot up a bunch of nine-year-old kids, oh, it'd be a different story altogether. In fact, we'd be talking about how terrible conservatives are and how we're all into white supremacy and we just want to kill little people. Be honest with yourself. That would be the narrative. 
but it's not today. Today, we're trying to figure out what the gender of the shooter was. Anyway, to the opinion piece, and I quote, right after a 28-year-old shot six people to death at a small Christian school, Representative Tim Burchett, a Tennessee Republican, emoted on camera, these, quote, these precious little kids lost their lives, he said with sad resignation, and I believe three adults. Burchette then defended the killer's right to own the three weapons she carried, notice notice the change in the pronoun there, onto the school grounds of the Covenant Presbyterian Church located in a pretty Nashville neighborhood. Quote, it's it's a horrible, horrible situation, and we're not going to fix it, he said. Criminals are going to be criminals, and my daddy fought in the Second World War. He told me, buddy, if somebody wants to take you out, it... They don't and doesn't mind losing their life. There's not a whole heck of a lot you can do about that. And that's absolutely true. All you have to do is look to Great Britain. When they first started their gun control efforts, they outlawed outlawed semi-automatic pistols. Interestingly enough, it had absolutely no effect on the crime rate. And then it was rifles, and then it was shotguns, and now they seem to be regulating the length of knife you can own. But the truth is, after they got rid of all the guns, the crime rate went up. Violent attacks from knives, baseball bats, clubs, and rocks went through the roof. It is not guns that kill people. People kill people. And until we get a handle on the folks that are shooting up schools, we're not going to solve the problem. Secondly, it is your Second Amendment right to own a gun. It's very clear. It's very specific. It doesn't say that you can only own shotguns or rifles or semi-automatic pistols or AR-15s. It doesn't say that at all. It says, shall not be infringed. And the trouble is that Democrats, one, they don't agree with our interpretation of the Constitution. Frankly, they don't agree with our Constitution at all, which is why they, they constantly attack it. From a Harrop goes on, quote, He's not entirely wrong about criminals being criminals, but criminals elsewhere don't have easy access to the firepower that this woman used to rapidly kill six on a lovely spring day. Well, it's true. They have access to rocks and clubs and baseball bats, and they still kill just as many people. Again, if someone is intent on harming another, they will find a way to do it. She goes on, did Burchette see this quiet, leafy neighborhood as comparable to the jungle hells of wartime's Pacific? And must be must he rationalize sick people wanting to take out nine-year-olds when actually there are things to do about it? Right, like get a handle on the mental health crisis, which, let me remind you, four of the last shooters identified as either non-binary or transsexual. So let's get a handle on the mental health crisis and stop trying to demonize guns. Moving on, Wild Vote is out with their legislative rankings. And as I told you, my friends, this is is an amazing, amazing display of what is going on in our legislature. Now, the truth is, well, actually, let me explain to you how Wild Vote works before we get into the actual ratings. In Wyoming, there are three rating systems that are online. There is Evidence-Based Wyoming, Wild Rhino, and then there is Wild Vote. Okay, evidence-based Wyoming, what it does is compares how often a legislator votes with the Republicans versus how often they vote with the Democrats. That's all that it does. It doesn't do anything else. It doesn't say which legislation was conservative. Now, uh, the gentleman that runs evidence-based Wyoming does have a couple of other tools on his website. It shows you how transparent the legislative legislature was. And uh, what I mean by that is it shows you how many roll call votes there are versus how many 
voice votes there are. See, roll call votes are all recorded, voice votes are not. So if you have more voice votes than you do roll call votes, then the transparency of that legislative session is down. Now, while Rhino does something a little bit different, they cherry pick 10 bills and they rate the legislators according to their vote on those 10 bills. Now, interestingly enough, all of these three rating systems basically come up with the same score, but they tell you different things. Okay, so evidence based Wyoming, that's how often they vote with the Democrats or Republicans. While Rhino, uh, that's cherry picked 10 bills and those 10 bills are rated according to the Republican Party platform, or at least that's what their website says. While vote is a little bit different. It rates each single, every single roll call vote, the ones that are recording, recorded according to the Republican Party platform. I mean, essentially, if you look on their website, you can find the rubric. It's it's worded a little bit different. But if you compare it to the Republican Party platform, it's pretty much the same. So each specific vote is rated, whether it is conservative or liberal, and it's done on a sliding scale. Now, the reason why that's important is it it rates the legislators according to their votes. So it doesn't really matter if a legislator is in the Senate or the House. Each one of their votes is rated. So you can compare the House to the Senate and you can come up with a continuum as to how conservative or liberal our legislators are. So let me begin by giving you the top five and we'll start with the House, go to the Senate, and then I'll give you the overall picture. Drum roll, please. And I guess I should have had a drum roll sound effect for this, but we'll do it on the table. Drum roll, please. The top 10. Yeah, let's do the top 10 in the House. Number one is Representative Mark Jennings from Sheridan. Number two is Representative John Bear from Gillette. Number three is Ellen Slagle. Number four is Clarence Stivar from Cheyenne. Number five is Jeanette Ward from Casper. Number six is Bill Alamand from Casper. Number seven is Tony Locke from Casper. Number eight, Ben Hornock from Cheyenne. Number nine, Representative John Winter from Over the Mountain. And number 10, Sarah Parker Penn from over in Fremont County. So those are the top 10 conservative legislators in the House. Let's take a look at the Senate. In the Senate, number one is Casper Republican Bob Ide. Number two, Troy McEwen from Gillette. Number three, Lynn Hutchings from the southern part of the state. Number four, Dan Larson from over in Park County. Number five is Tim French, also from Park County. Number six is, this is bizarre, and I'm going to explain this one a little bit later. Uh, But number six is Eric Barlow from Gillette. Number seven is Anthony Bouchard from Cheyenne. Number eight is Bo Beitman from Sheridan. Number nine, Pappas. Number 10, Tim Zalazar. Number 11, uh, Sherry Steinmetz. Oops, that's more than 10. So that gives you the top 10 in both houses. Now, combined. All of them together, how does it shake out? And this is actually surprising too, and let me explain this one. So number one in overall is Mark Jennings from Sheridan. Number two is John Bear. Number three is Alan Slagle. Number four is Clarence Stivar. Number five is Jeanette Ward. Number six is Bill Alleman. Number seven is Tony Locke. Eight is Ben Hornock. You notice a pat- noticing a pattern here. All of the top 10 legislators in the Wyoming legislature are all from the House of Representatives, and all of them are at least associated with the House Freedom Caucus. Now, when you compare that to the Senate ratings, you don't get into a senator until number 13. 
on the list. And that that's Senator Bob Ide. So there are some representatives that are far more conservative um, than those in the Senate, but they're all in the House. So keep that in mind. But we'll get to the overall ratings here in just a little bit. So let's draw some conclusions from what you see. And let me explain how this works. Uh, when you and of course, the the ratings aren't going to be publicly available in pro, until probably next week, uh, probably Monday. Uh, but for right now, they're rated on a score of one to negative one. So one being a conservative, negative one being uh, a Democratic liberal. Now, the interesting thing about Vote is both Republicans and Democrats can use this. So if you look down on the bottom of the list, uh, the most the most progressive or liberal member of the Wyoming legislature this year is Mike Yin. Number two liberal is Carly Provenza. Number three is Trey Sherwood. Number four on the liberal list is Liz Storr. Number five is Ken Chestek. And number six, this one should be a, be a shocker to no one, is Bob Nicholas. Yeah, the sixth most liberal person in the Wyoming legislature is a Republican. Now, why do all of these people show up on the bottom of the list? Well, the truth is, they're just Democrats who can't spell. They're redcoats. They've registered as Republicans simply because they know in their specific district, if they registered as a Democrat, they would never get elected. And their voting proves that. So if we look at the list, you have roughly 26, and I guess I should tell you who the moderates are. The truth is, in the House, there are only three moderates. And when you look at the scale, remember this and go back. You can come back and reference this episode. I'm going to publish it right after I'm done uh, with, with this morning's broadcast. But there are actually three people in the House of Representatives that are liberal. Those are Tamara Trujillo, Ocean Andrew, and Bob Davis. But those are the only three. And after you get past them, it's a big drop-off in the scores when you go to uh, Art Washett, who is right below uh, the moderates. So there's a huge break between the conservatives and the liberals. Now, on the conservatives, Mark Jennings's rating is 0.998. So he's the closest one in the Wyoming legislature to one, which would be a conservative score. Now, the break in all of the all of the conservatives is actually pretty small. It goes from 0.998, that's Mark Jennings, uh, down to Reuben Tarver from Gillette. He's at number 23 with a 0.34. So you have a difference of six tenths. And now if we look at the jump between the moderates or excuse me, the conservatives and the liberals, it's very striking. It goes from three to negative three or uh, 0.3 to negative 0.3. So that's a 180 degree difference in those two ratings. So in other words, Art Washett of Casper is the polar opposite of Ruben Tarver from Gillette. That's how you have to look at these ratings. You have to compare them side by side. And so that you can see that the, the majority, 31 of the folks in the House of Representatives truly are liberals. And there can be no better evidence than this. So just some cherry, just some cherry picking analysis here. If you look at the top 10, uh, the vast majority of them are incoming freshmen. These are people that got elected and either replaced um, sitting incumbents or there was an open seat and they got elected. So, for example, Sarah Parker Penn in Fremont County replaced the Democrat Andy LeBeau. 
Okay, that's she was a representative from the reservation. So it's what's striking about that is even folks in Fremont County who traditionally have voted Democrat voted for Sarah Parker Penn. And what that tells you is many Wyoming citizens are tired of the direction that the Wyoming legislature is going. Let's take a quick break and then we'll get to more of more analysis from the House of Representatives and then we'll move to the Senate. Before the break, we were talking about all of the incoming freshmen that had staunchly conservative ratings um, in this year's 2023 legislative session. In fact, in the top 10, there's one, two, one, two, three, four, five, uh, six of the top 10 are brand new legislators. And what you can deduce from that is Wyoming citizens were sick and tired of the direction of the Wyoming legislature. And that's why all of these people got elected. That there's no other no other conclusion that you can draw. Now, the Wyoming media is trying to tell you that, well, if you look at the county party elections, you know, Wyoming really is going more towards traditional Republicans. And if you notice, they always put the word traditional in quotation marks. Why do they do that? Because they're lying to you. If they put the quotation marks around the word traditional, it doesn't matter if they're telling you the truth or not. That tells you that that's their opinion of what's going on. So the reason that these redcoats use the word traditional is it makes you think that the the folks that just got elected are not Republicans. They're some new brand of Republicans. Hey, now, every single <laughs> every two years, there's a Republican convention in the state of Wyoming. And one of the committees is to decide what the Wyoming Republican Party platform looks like. It's a big discussion in which every county is invited and every county has um, has participation. In fact, in the 2018, um, excuse me, in the 2020 Republican convention, um, there was a great discussion as to what what exactly the uh, um, the, the platform ought to be. And in fact, I have audio from Gail Simmons, the founder of the Frontier Republicans. I should have grabbed that soundbite, but I'll play it for you on on one of the next programs. But anyway, she says that the Frontier Republicans participated in the platform and that they totally agree with the party platform. Okay, then what is the difference between all of these folks that just got elected and all of the folks that they replaced? Well, it's easy. The folks that they replaced weren't following the Republican Party platform. Now, here's another phrase that you're going to hear from all of these redcoats and so-called Republicans. Well, we only have to agree with 80% of the report Republican Party platform. All right. You should ask them, which 80% do they agree with? What's the 20% that they disagree with? Do they disagree with the idea that um, that we believe in life or perhaps that the best place for a child is with a mother and father, or perhaps it's the free market, or that we think taxes should be low. All of those things are are quintessentially Republican. So when you have all of these all, all of these liberal legislators that show up on the Wyo vote rankings as very very liberal, you need to ask them who exactly or which which part of the Republican Party platform do you disagree with. All right, let's go to the other side of the things. We've been talking about the conservatives for a little bit. Let's talk about some of the liberals. And as I told you, um, with Wild Vote, the ratings go from one being conservative to negative one uh, being being liberal. On the on the bottom end of the thing, you have Art Washett, who is at number twenty seven. Okay, he's got a negative point three rating. 
And then there's Cyrus Western, point negative point four. And then my own representative, Mr. Barry Crago. We're going to talk about him a little bit later. So, so crazy thing, Cyrus Western is actually more conservative than, than somebody that's close around to where I live. It's Barry Crago. But both of them are liberals. Now, remember, I mentioned that there's a huge chasm in between the conservatives and the liberal liberals. In fact, they're 180 degrees, 180 degrees different from the conservatives in the legislature. So let's just kind of go, go down the list. I'll give you the top 10 liberals. Uh, we got Art Washett, Cyrus Western, Barry Crago, Eklund, John Conrad, Lane Allred, Tony Nemec, Amber Oakley. She's got a negative 0.6. Jared Olson, negative 0.6. Cody Wiley, he's, he's another incumbent, negative 0.6. Sandy Newsom, Ken Clouston, Albert Somers, the Speaker of the House. We're going to talk about him a little bit later also. But there's, your, there's the top of the liberal branch of the Republican Party. I, and quite frankly, my friends, I'm I'm amazed that we still have to talk about this. But the truth is, all of these folks are writing in your local newspaper trying to spin their voting record. And if you listen to them, none of them talk about specific votes that they made. Why, you might ask? Well, because you would disagree with them. They, they want to tell you that they saved $1.4 billion and how good that is for the state of Wyoming. But what they don't tell you is that the revenue generated off of the money that they saved is going to be around $65 million. Big problem, though, they put $112 million in in new spending. So the truth is, they spent way more money than they're bringing in. So when they talk about saving money, think about your own budget. If you spend twice as much money as you make, what are you doing? You're making yourself bankrupt. Now, the state of Wyoming isn't bankrupt, but when their narrative is, look at all the money we saved, we also have to look at all the money that they spent. Now, that vote on the budget was 36 to 26. 26 conservatives voted against it, which, by the way, in last year's legislative session, they passed a budget that was for two years. Not one year, two years. And because the state of Wyoming had such a windfall, the governor wanted to spend a whole bunch more money. Now, let's go to the Senate. Now, in the Senate, you don't see the same thing as you do in the House. Like I told you at the beginning of the program, there really is a continuum uh, along where all of our senators rate. So I gave you the top 10, but there are some moderates in, in the Senate. Uh, there's Larry Hicks, Brennan, Dan Dockstetter, and Jones. Those are the only moderates in the Senate. And then going to the more conservative, <laughs> on the, or the more liberal, it's Dave Kinsky, who was on the top, Charlie Scott, Brian Boner, Cooper, Nancy Case, Furphy, Ellis, Landon, Driscoll, Baldwin, Nethercott, Anderson, Schuler, Mike Giro, and Chris Rothfuss. So those are the liberal folks in, in the Wyoming Senate. Now, why is this important? Well, a lot of the real crazy bills that were passed by the House of Representatives uh, were killed in the Wyoming Senate, and bills that you know really needed to make it make it to the floor, like the Fairness in Women's Sports Act, or I think it was called the Interscholastic Eligibility Act or something like that, um, that came out of the Senate. So, you know, in the grand scheme of things, the Senate ended up being uh, quite a bit more conservative than the Wyoming House. So on the top, you've got Bob Ide and then Troy McEwen and Lynn Hutchings and Dan Larson. Um, now, I mentioned we need to talk about Eric Barlow. 
Eric Barlow, former Redcoat Speaker of the House Eric Barlow, was one of the more liberal legislators in the Wyoming House when he was the Speaker. Quite frankly, I thought he was pretty bad until I saw what Albert Somers is doing. But Al- but Eric Barlow shows up number six on the list, which is which is very interesting. Either A, he's made a dramatic turn to the right, which I find very hard to believe, or B, he's thinking about running for a higher office and he knows that the vast majority of Wyoming citizens are conservative. So he should start he should start voting that way. You know, in the grand scheme of things, my friends, I'm okay with with so-called Republicans voting conservative as long as they vote this vote the right way. And we need to keep an eye on Mr. Eric Barlow to see if during the during the uh, budget session, if he switches back over to more more liberal voting. Now, on the bottom of the list, I mentioned that you have Chris Rothfuss and Mike Giroux. Those two guys are pretty interesting in in the Wyoming legislature simply because uh, they're Democrats. And if you talk to them, you know, they're they're pretty honest about who they are, but they still vote on some conservative measures. If you talk to Chris Rothfuss, he's very passionate about the Constitution. Uh, he may have some different thoughts on the Second Amendment, which I guess by definition means that he's not passionate about it. Uh, but he's a very honest legislator um, in terms of his Democratic ideology. So there you have the House and the Senate. Now, let's look at this thing in total. So you have the, the 26 that I mentioned. Uh, from the House of Representatives, and the top 12 on the overall list are all members of the House of Representatives, and most of them are new. Number 13 on the overall list is Bob Ide. Number 14 is Troy McEwen. Number 15 is Lynn Hutchings. 16 is Chris Knapp. He's a representative from Gillette. Number 17 is our pal Ken Pendergraft. Number 18 is Dan Larson, 19, Tim French, and number 20 is Eric Barlow. Now, this that's why I brought up the Eric Barlow comparison. See, he shows up as number six in the Senate. But if you look to the overall ratings, he's number 20. So don't get any ideas that he's all that conservative. I mean, he really shows up down, you know, pretty, pretty far down on the list. Now, some other popular legislators in the state of Wyoming, Anthony Bouchard. He's number 23 on the overall list. Uh, Bo Beitman, who had a meeting with President Trump, he's number 24. Um, let's see here. Who else? Uh, Tim Salazar, who who, vote, who sponsored the abortifacients bill, the ban on chemical abortions. He shows up at number 31. Um, now, again, on the overall list, you have some moderates. So let's look at those. Their number's 36 through 42. So they kind of split the whole thing. But how the math works out and how their ratings work out, they really are in the middle. Those are 36 to 42. Here we go. Tamara Trujillo, Ocean Andrew, Larry Hicks, Evie Brennan, Bob Davis, Dan Dockstadter, and Senator Jones. Those are your middle of the pack folks in the Wyoming legislature. Don't let the Wyoming media lie to you. They like to label all of these red-coated liberals as moderates. But as we've been discussing for the last half hour, there are no moderates in the Wyoming legislature, really. There's just a handful of them. There are conservatives and there are liberals and there's a few in the middle. Now, let's talk Let's talk about some of those liberals. So Tamara Trujillo, or the moderates, Tamara Trujillo, she's from a pretty liberal district. In fact, that used to be uh, the representative of that district used to be Sarah Burlingame. So super, super wi- liberal Wyoming equality, Sarah Burlingame. So Tamara Trujillo represents some folks that 
you know, are further to the left. So it's not surprising that she ends up in the middle of the pack. And the truth is, uh, Representative Trujillo is socially liberal, but fiscally conservative. That's how she ends up on the conservative list. Ocean Andrew. Now, he's on the conservative list as well. In fact, I think that in the House, uh, Representative Andrew is number 25. So he's in the top 26. So you would consider him a conservative. But he's from Laramie. And the truth is, he's probably the most conservative representative that we're going to get out of out of that district. So really, when you look at it in in context, he's a pretty conservative guy by comparison. Uh, Senator Larry Hicks, number 38. Uh, Larry's really socially conservative. I mean, you'd, you'd like him, uh, but he spends a lot of money. So we can say that he's socially conservative, but maybe he's a little bit more fiscally liberal. Evie Brennan, I don't know too much about her. I'll dig into her. Uh, Bob Davis, he's he's kind of from the same area that Larry Hicks is, thinks along the same way. So that's why they, they show up so far together. Uh, Dan Dockstadter, He's at number 41, uh, former president of the Wyoming Senate. Dan Dockstadter is the consummate politician. He's going to vote whatever's in his best interest. And, it, and a lot of the time that coincides with the best interests of, of his constituency. But he's definitely in the middle. Now, on the bottom end of the list, um, as, as we've already pointed out, you've pr pretty much already heard these names. So number 43 on the list um, is Senator Dave Kinski. 44 is Charlie Scott. 45 is Brian Boner. 46 is Art Washett. So when you put all of these legislators together in one big pile, you really get a sense of where people rate at. So you might be number 27 in the House of Representatives, but you end up 46. That's Art Washett when you combine all of them. So it really tells you where these guys are on the ideological spectrum. After the break, we're going to go into some of the spin that you've been hearing from some of these redcoats trying to explain away the way that they voted. And we'll begin with freshman Martha Lolly. I just love her. She is so good at lying to her constituents. I know you're going to find this hard to believe, but it's snowing here at Cowboy State Politics Northern Command. Actually, it will be soon. Yes, still snowing. And I hate to break it to you, but more than likely, we have two more months of this stuff to endure. Which means that you get to listen to that lovely wife of yours telling you to get outside and go shovel the walk. Now, there's only one thing worse than having to shovel the walk. That's having cold feet while you're doing it. Now, to prevent this, you should get some socks from the Buffalo Wool Company. They're the warmest socks that you're ever going to put on your feet. Go to their website, thebuffalowoolco.com. As you no doubt are keenly aware, I'm a fan of just about any Wyoming company. Just about, I said. And one of them you should really check out is New Trend Hats. They're a company that's based in Kemmerer. They make those hats with the really cool ponytail hole on top of them. And right now, they have a wide selection of hats for both men and women. Being as cold as it is, you definitely don't want your ears to get cold either. So go check out New Trend Hats. I'm sure you'll find one to keep those ears of yours nice and toasty warm. That's New Trend Hats. And now, back to the program.
From the pages of the Pravda on the Platte, Martha Lolly, Reflections from a Freshman Lawmaker. Now, you just have to you just have to listen to how she starts this thing off. It's so great. Quote, decades have passed since I was called a freshman, but I can't think of a better word to capture the essence of the reality of being a new legislator, stepping into a truly unique and dynamic environment where learning happens in real time and mistakes are often uh, more valuable than successes. Now, you got to skip a couple paragraphs until you get to the bullcrap down, quote, unfortunately, it seems that not everyone had the same perspective I did. I was disappointed to observe attempts to weaponize platforms and labels. It concerned me to use the use of to see the use of policy differences for personal political gain. We do have differences, but we also share some significant areas of agreement. Now, Martha Lolly campaigned on being a conservative. I spoke to her myself before the primary, and she swore up and down that she was a conservative. In fact, I'm sure that she wants her her constituents to over the mountain to realize that. But let's look exactly and look at exactly where Martha Lolly ends up and find out if she is conservative. Let's see here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Martha Lolly. Oh, she ends up number 47 in the House of Representatives with a rating of negative 0.783. The last thing that Martha Lolly is, is a conservative. Now, just to give you some perspective, she's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. She's number 11 from the Democrats. How conservative could she possibly be? Now, let's look at the uh, the overall ratings. Uh-huh, see here. Mm-hmm. Where would I find Martha Lolly? Just a second. Ah, here we go. Martha Lolly ends up as number 76 in the Wyoming legislature. This lady is not a conservative at all. And if you live over or on that side of the mountain, you should really give her a call and ask her to explain why she's so conservative. Back to her ridiculous op-ed. And I quote, Republicans enjoy a supermajority in the Wyoming legislature. However, the divisions within the party have resulted in some missed opportunities for conservatives to work together to address important issues. Factions are not new. I believe that no one faction in the Wyoming Republican Party can accomplish the best outcomes for Wyoming on their own. Well, she should have a pretty good perspective on factions simply because she's with the other side, the 36 that always vote against the conservatives. According to Carly Provenza, a a Democrat in the Wyoming legislature, approximately 75 percent of the votes in this year's session were divided along the lines of 36, 26, 26 conservatives and everybody else, 36 liberals. And as we as we heard about in the beginning of the program, there really is a distinct difference between the 26 conservatives and the other 36 in the House. Honestly, the 31 other Republicans really should just change their name to Democrat because that's exactly how they vote. So the, the truth of the matter is none of these people really want to talk about their voting record. In fact, Martha Lolly doesn't in her op-ed that was published in the Casper Star Tribune. They don't want to talk about their voting record because they can't explain it. In a recent article by Wildfile, and this one is a fascinating one, it's entitled Far Right Advances Motivate Pro-Wyoming Lawmakers to Organize. Hmm. 
36 to 26. It would appear to me that we're already organized. You have the Freedom Caucus, and then you have what they are calling the Wyoming Caucus. Now, here's how the Wildfile article begins. Quote, details of the so-called Wyoming Wyoming caucus are still scant, but movement is afoot to coalesce and support non-freedom caucus members of the Wyoming legislature. It all started on a Friday in late January with a joke on the floor of the Wyoming House. Representative Barry Crago, addressing the the soon adjourning body, invited counterparts to a then-fabricated Wyoming caucus for the 7 p.m. social hour. Now, they're claiming that this started out as a joke, and the reason they have to do that is they're criticizing people who are already organized, the Freedom Caucus. So they, they obviously can't appear to be in the, doing the exact same thing. But I want you to listen to what Barry Crago says, and then you tell me if he's joking. Here it is. Representative Crago. Privilege, if I may, Mr. Please. Speaker. Just a general announcement. The uh, Wyoming Caucus will be meeting tonight at 7 o'clock for social hour, if anyone cares to join us. Thank you. Chairman Nicholas. Did you hear him laughing? Was there even a chuckle? Was there even a giggle? No, there wasn't. It was routine, which tells you that Representative Barry Crago, who has entrenched himself with the liberal caucus in the Wyoming legislature, already knew that that caucus had been around for some time. Now, you wouldn't know this if you, unless you were me sitting up in the gallery for the entire session. But they had been organizing from the very beginning. In fact, it was Barry Crago and Representative Ember Oakley that ran around the floor of the House whipping votes and getting people organized. Ember Oakley would slip peop- people, uh, representatives, slips of paper telling them where the new, where the uh, meeting would be held. So this is nothing new. And Barry Crago wasn't joking. Here's the rest of it and what Bob Nicholas had to say. The location of the Wyoming caucus is the Met, by the way. <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Speaker. Now, you did hear a, ch- a chuckle over there, uh, but if you'll notice, the two folks that were announcing the Wyoming caucus were not joking at all. So, Wildfile, and, it, and we shouldn't be surprised that they're doing this, but they start out the article with a complete fabrication of what actually happened. Skip a paragraph. Quote, Although then just an announcement intended to irritate the Freedom Caucus, you heard it, I don't think that was the case at all, uh, the idea of coalescing under the banner of the Wyoming Caucus has since gained traction. Specifics are still being sorted out, but infrastructure is being laid to financially support more traditional Republican candidates running for office via a new Wyoming Caucus PAC. And elected Republicans on the outs with the Freedom Caucus are now assembling to making plans to establish some kind of organizational structure that provides a counterpoint to the far right bloc's composition. The truth is, this is nothing new. The, quote, Wyoming caucus already had a pack during the primary. It was called Wyoming Hope, and it was run by former Republican chairman Matt Michaeli and Deemer True. Those two guys are of the more liberal uh, liberal bunch in the Republican Party. They're in Casper, and they're the folks that that routinely oppose everything the state Republican Party is doing. During the election, the guy that runs the cow pie or owns the cow pie, Cow pie, B. Wayne Hughes gave them over $360,000, which they then used to help every single, almost every single incumbent legislator in the Wyoming House of Representatives. So they already have a PAC. The only thing that they're really doing is changing the name of it. 
Now, this new PAC is allegedly run by former Representative Tim Stubson and Deemer True. Those names should be familiar. They're the same folks that are deeply involved in the Casper or the Natrona County Republican Party. So this is nothing new. The only thing that they're doing is changing the name and making it more more publicly vocal so that they can legitimate it. Now, uh, the next representative, Clark Stiff, said the burgeoning effort is a direct response to how the Freedom Caucus representatives conducted themselves in the in Cheyenne over the legislative session this winter. Quote, the most striking feature of the House Freedom Caucus this last session was they were voting in lockstep in accordance with text message instruction that they would receive, Stiff said. The interesting effect is that uh, of that is, uh, to some extent, forcing the remaining members of the House to become slightly more organized. Now, wait a minute. If he's criticizing the Freedom Caucus for voting in lockstep, what is it that the other 36 were doing? What exactly is that? Almost 75% of the votes in the Wyoming House came down to a 36-26 split. So doesn't that also mean that the other 36 were organized? Doesn't that mean that they were voting in lockstep? Would that not mean, would that not be a voting block? Now, here's a fascinating quote from, from Representative Steve Harshman. You'll love this one. And if you know anything about Steve Harshman, he's the Natrona County football coach, and he certainly acts the part on the floor of the House. He's constantly walking up and down the aisles telling people how to vote. Many of the elected representatives down there have told me he walks by them and he'll say things like, good bill, bad bill, good vote, bad vote. Bad vote, good bill. And he does that all day long. Here's what he told Wildfile. Quote, I think back to my first House Speaker, Fred Paraday, uh, Parody. He told us that we were duly elected and that nobody's ever going to tell you how to vote, Representative Steve Harshman of Casper said. Now everything's kind of on a scorecard and you, you get text how to vote. I think that's really unfortunate for the institution of the citizen legislature. So how is that different? than what Steve Harshman does on the floor on a daily basis. There's absolutely no difference. Steve Harshman is the number one representative that tells people how to vote. One more quotation from the article. Quote, I think it can be organized without being authoritarian, Representative Albert Somers of Pinedale said, but there's no question that the longtime Republicans are starting to push back against the notion of the Freedom Caucus, and frankly, the way they conduct politics there's going to be continued pushback on that. So let's talk about the way they conduct politics, and we'll do that after the break. Do you like hot wings? Well, if you don't, what the heck is wrong with you? Well, my friends, I happen to be obsessed with them, and the best wings you're going to find in the state of Wyoming come from the Wing It food truck. They make the most incredible wings, and it's not just hot wings. They have several other different flavors. I personally recommend the garlic parmesan wings. They're amazing. And the way that you can figure out where that truck is going to be is go to the website, cowboystatepolitics.com, and look underneath the Sponsors tab, and you can find their schedule there. That way, you can plan your entire week around where that truck is going to be. That's the Wing It Food Truck. Morton Buildings is one of the leading metal building companies in America. 
They manufacture a lot of their own materials, and they've been doing this longer than anybody else around, and they definitely do it better than anybody else around. So it doesn't really matter if you need a garage or a barn or maybe a roping arena so you can do all of that rodeo stuff when it's 23 below zero, or perhaps a giant warehouse for your business. You should give my friends Nick and Jesse a call at 307-674-2532. Just tell them what you're thinking, and they'll handle all the details. Again, their phone number is 307-674-2532, or you can check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. And now, the conclusion to our program. There's going to be some pushback against the notion of the Freedom Caucus and, frankly, the way they conduct politics, end quote. So let's talk about how politics has been conducted in the Wyoming House of Representatives this year. They had two kill committees, one of which was the Appropriations Committee headed by Bob Nicholas. The other was the Revenue Committee headed by Representative Steve Harshman from Casper. Between those two committees, they killed just about every conservative bill that would have come out of the Wyoming legislature. Now, one curious thing that happened is a number of bills that were given a do not pass recommendation from House Appropriations. Now, what that means is that a committee can move a bill out of their committee with a do not pass recommendation, and that means it goes to the bottom of the list. So it can't be discussed until everything else on on the uh, uh, committee of the whole list has been discussed. So it effectively kills the bill, but they can still claim that they voted for it. Now, in, in since 2003, there have been five times that a bill has been passed out of committee with a do not pass recommendation, and it went to the floor. In none of those five times has it ever been discussed on the floor. Four of those bills came from this year. One of them came from last year. Since 2003, it has only happened five times. Now, what they did in those five times is they introduced substitute bills. In none of those cases did they tell the bill's sponsor that they were going to completely change it. In one example, and it was a uh, a gun-free school zones bill brought by Representative Jeremy Haroldson, they took a bill that would have expanded your gun rights. And this is the reason why I began the program talking about the school shooting. The bill would have eliminated gun-free school zones, which we all know that if a school has armed guards, it is far less likely to have any sort of violent incident. Why? Well, if you're intent on shooting up a school, why would you go to a place where there's a high likelihood that you're going to get blown away? You wouldn't. So school shooters attack places that don't have armed guards. So this piece of legislation would have uh, eliminated eliminated those gun-free zones. Uh, specifically in schools and in the Wyoming Capitol. So the Appropriations Committee put together a substitute bill that was written by Speaker of the House Albert Somers, and it turned the bill into something that would have expanded gun rights into something that would have done exactly the opposite. In fact, they turned it into a gun control bill. And what it would have done, they called it Substitute X, but what it would have done is created a, quote, enhanced concealed carry permit, 
Their substitute bill specifically said that you couldn't carry firearms in the vicinity of the University of Wyoming, nor could you could you do it on campus. Now, they, the, the university, according to the piece of legislation or substitute bill, could allow you to carry firearms if you gave them advance notice of when you were going to be there. Now, ask yourself, how many times is the liberal University of Wyoming going to grant you the permission to carry a firearm on campus? And secondly, you don't need permission from anybody to carry your firearm. That's specifically why Representative Haroldson brought the bill. But appropriations would have none of it. So they they trashed the original piece of legislation, they put in a substitute bill, and then they sent it to the floor with a do not pass recommendation. They did the same thing with two ESG bills. They also did the same thing with Chloe's law. Uh, that was a piece of legislation brought by Senator Anthony Bouchard that would have made uh, transgender surgeries for minors a crime in the state of Wyoming. All four pieces of those leg of legislation that came out with a do not pass recommendation went to the floor of the House. Now, there was some controversy over Chloe's law because conservatives in the House decided to end discussion on all of the bills and they killed Chloe's law. Why? Because appropriations gutted the bill so that the bill would do nothing. So when Albert Somers talks about the way politics are conducted, perhaps he's referring to himself in that, that, that politics is conducted behind closed doors, that it's done without notifying a bill sponsor, that it's done without regard to precedent, that it's done completely dishonestly through two committees that have nothing to do with those pieces of legislation. What, what in God's name does the Appropriations Committee, the committee that spends money, have to do with a gun bill? What does it have to do with uh, an ESG bill? Now, that one actually is in the right committee, kind of. It's At least it's a financial committee. But the point is that Albert Somers had two committees that he sent every conservative bill to so that it would die a quick death. So when Albert Somers talks about the way politics are conducted, he needs to look in the mirror. Moving on, House leadership issued a op-ed complaining about the House Freedom Caucus. Now, this is fascinating. The article showed up in the cow pie, and it's entitled House Leadership. Wyoming legislative work reflects Wyoming values. Now, they claim that this is an op-ed that is written by House leadership. Let me just re read you some names. Albert Somers, Clark Stith, Steve Harshman, Bob Nicholas. You know who's not, not there? How about Representative Chip Nyman, the majority floor leader? He's the second most powerful person in the Wyoming House of Representatives in leadership, and he's not in this list. So not only is Albert Somers, Clark Stith, and Bob Nicholas being dishonest, so is the cow pie. Secondly, Steve Harshman isn't a member of leadership. He's the chairman of the Revenue Committee, but he's not in a, an elected post in the House of Representatives. But they're still calling him a member of leadership simply because he spent two terms as the Speaker of the House, which, by the way, um, he's the only speaker to have done that. He doesn't like tradition either, even though he claims to. From the article, and I quote, we operate differently in Wyoming. Our way of doing things, also known as the Code of the West, is what distinguishes our state from the rest of the world. Our unique position allows Wyoming to fund a world-class education, uh, grow our economy, and live a life of liberty free from government involvement. Oh, heart. Except Albert Somers and his group of 31 other Republicans didn't do anything of the sort. They claim to have a world 
we have they claim that Wyoming has a world class education system, but we don't. We're ranked number 26th in the country. At best, we have a mediocre education system. We spend more money on education than 48 other states, and yet we cannot seem to get scores above the rank of 26. Here's here's an interesting piece of this op-ed. Quote, so it's important to set the record straight. This year, the Wyoming legislature passed one of the most conservative supplemental budgets ever. Uh, first of all, why do you need a conservative a supplemental budget? Anyway, we saved $1.4 billion. This is a historic, never-before-seen amount of savings. Despite the, this act of consequential fiscal stewardship, 25 House members of the Freedom Caucus voted against it, calling it an abuse of taxpayers. That's because it was. In Wyoming, there are two sessions. There is the general session, where any bill can be brought up, and then we have a budget session. During the budget session, guess what they pass? a budget for two years. The reason why this supplemental budget bill came up is Wyoming has a budget surplus right now and the governor wanted to spend it. So not only is this supplemental budget not really part of the Wyoming constitution, it's completely dishonest because they're, they're leading you to believe that we pass a budget every single year. The reason why those 25 members of the House Freedom Caucus voted against it is they really weren't saving money. In fact, they did put $1.4 billion in the bank account, generating $65 million worth of interest income, but they put in place $112 million worth of permanent spending. So they're spending twice as much money as they're making off of reserves. Does that make any financial sense to you whatsoever? It doesn't to me either. Moving on in the article, quote, as kids growing up, our Wyoming parents would tell us to be humbled and watch out for people you run into and cl who claim to be smarter and more moral. They taught us to work with others with, with uh, purpose and integrity and truth. The ones who are in fact boasted the most about who, they, who and what they are are actually the ones lacking those traits. Really, Albert Somers, perhaps you could remember that the next time you institute a substitute bill or you send conservative legislation to a committee that you've set up specifically to kill bills, perhaps that you should look at your own legislative tactics before accusing the Freedom Caucus members who were just happened to be in favor of not spending so much money, decreasing the size of government and allowing parents to make decisions for their children instead of the state government and Speaker of the House, Albert Somers. In response to that dumb op-ed, the person who was left out of that list, Representative Chief Chip Nyman, Majority Floor Leader Chip Nyman, wrote his own op-ed, quote, uh, entitled, New True Leadership Doesn't Spend Twice As Much As It Saves and Call It Fiscally respons Responsible. And I quote, First, I voted against the budget, and second, I voted to override the speaker. I was told that these are two things that you never do in leadership. The reason I did that was to prohibit the teaching of gender ideology and sexuality to young children out of the speaker's drawer. I guess this was an attempt to help me understand how to be an effective leader. I was told conservatives can't govern, and my votes were an example of the lack of leadership. I respectfully disagree, and this is awesome, my friends. True, true leadership does not spend nearly twice as much as it saves and call it fiscally responsible. The $1.4 billion put into trust and reserve accounts should generate approximately $65 million in revenue from interest this year. That's awesome. And if we would have been able to put that away too, 
or use it to restore services even better. But we, but also in this budget, we added $112 million per year in ongoing spending. Put another way, we spent nearly twice as much as we created through investment. I apologize for not being a team player, but I can't operate that way. And the taxpayers, the columns authors claim we tried to hurt, can't do business that way either. To me, that's not leadership. That's putting these folks' future at risk. Now let's go back to the legislative rankings that we began with. Leadership means that you have to manage everything, that you have to, that you have to carefully do, work with both sides, but not compromise your principles in the end. Chip Nyman did exactly that. When you look at the overall ratings, Representative Chip Nyman ranks number 26 in the Wyoming legislature in the whole thing. Now, that's far lower on the list than he did last year. When you look at the House of Representatives, Representative Nyman shows up number 18. Last year, he was number 11. So don't talk to me about not representing everybody. Representative Chip Nyman attempted to compromise with the liberal Wyoming left. But what did they do? They attacked him for it because for the left, even in Wyoming, the word compromise doesn't mean anything that comes out of Webster's. It means you have to acquiesce to what we want. And the reverse is not true, uh, is, is never true. If you look at all the votes, 36 to 26, how often did those 36 people vote with the conservatives? Not very often. So much for compromise. So in the end, my friends, we have a legislature that is split down the middle, at least in the House of Representatives. There are 26 representatives who are conservative. There are 31 other Republicans who really shouldn't change their names to Democrat because they're not conservative in the least. Well, that'll do it for today's installment of the program. Have a good rest of your week, and we'll talk again on Saturday during Weekend Update. Now, as far as these legislative rankings go, uh, I'm, unfortunately, I'm not able to publish them on the website until they're publicly released. But I'll be talking about them in the coming episodes uh, ahead of their, of, of their release date. But for now, from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming, I'm David Iverson, and this is the one and only Cowboy State Politics.